0: Psalm 121, which you can find on page 622 if you're using the Church Bibles. Psalm 121 on page 622. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Well, before we hear from God's word, we're going to sing again.
1: Do keep your Bibles open at Psalm 121. That's where we'll be spending our time this morning. Let me pray as we come to God's word. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Father, we want to praise you and thank you that that is who you are. And we pray that you would lift our eyes to you this morning. At the start, the turn of the year, as we think of all that is to come. We pray that you would be speaking to us right now through your word, reminding us of who you are. Your goodness, your grace what it means for us to trust in you. And I pray, Father, you'd give us hearts that are able to respond with repentance and faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Ryan was mentioning earlier, the turn of a year is very tempting, isn't it, to make New Year's resolutions? I don't know what you feel about that. Some of us think it's a good idea. Some of us don't think it's a good idea. A new resolve is often very helpful, isn't it? But it's so quickly broken. But the other thing that we tend to do at the turn of a year is make New Year's predictions. And so you could probably go onto any number of news websites and find you know, the top 10 predictions for 2020 of things that people think will happen Trajectories, trends, uh, new things that will be taking place that we should be aware of. Now, anticipating the future is not a bad thing, but it's often wrong, isn't it? Predictions are often wrong. But I want to give us one prediction this year for the year ahead. One Christian prediction for this year ahead. And it's simply this. That there will be times this year when your Christian walk will be hard. You will be tempted to give up, and it will require endurance to keep going. That's my prediction for the year 2020. There will be times this year when your Christian walk will be hard. You will be tempted to give up, and it will require endurance to keep going. Now, you might think I'm foolish for even making any kind of prediction for the year ahead. Maybe it is a foolish thing to do. Or maybe you'd prefer it if my prediction was a little bit more optimistic. You know, why be on such a downer at the start of 2020? Maybe you'd much rather if I just said, the year 2020 is going to be a walk in the park. But actually, it's not my prediction. It's Jesus who says, in this world you will have trouble. Now, he goes on to say, take heart. I have overcome the world. But he's very, very realistic about what the normal Christian life is going to look like that it's going to hard going to be hard and that it requires perseverance endurance to keep going actually if you were to read the new testament you would see that consistently we're told that the christian walk is not a walk in the park but actually a feat of endurance it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it requires us to keep going. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this it says, Run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Run with perseverance. The race marked out for you. Now, why does it say run with perseverance? Why do we need to persevere? Well, precisely because it is hard. There will be moments when we feel like giving up. And so at the start of 2020, I thought it would be helpful for us to turn to Psalm 121. We're going to be starting a new series next week in 1 Corinthians as we think about the gifts of the Spirit. But just this week, as a way to kind of lift our eyes and keep our eyes on the main thing, I thought it'd be helpful to turn to Psalm 121. It's often described as the Traveller's Psalm because it's one of the Psalms of Ascent. And if you were here at the start of last year, we did a whole series in the Psalms of Ascent as we thought about what it means for us to be pilgrims, Christians on a journey. Heading towards home. But actually, we didn't look at Psalm 121 then, so I just thought I'd love us to do that this morning. But Psalm 121 is described as the traveler's psalm. It's a psalm, a song that is sung really on the journey uh, that Israelites, faithful Israelites would take as they made their way back to Jerusalem for various festivals that they would attend. So they'd sing these songs as they went. And so this song is all about what it means to head home. And look how the psalmist begins in verse 1. It's on page 622 in the church Bibles if you need to find it. But in verse 1 it says this, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Now this is the psalmist, this is the, the traveler lifting his eyes to the journey ahead. He's looking up, and he's looking at the journey, and his immediate thought is, help. What does he say in the rest of that verse? Where does my help come from? He looks at the journey ahead. He sees how hard it will be, and he says, help, this is going to be hard. Where on earth will my help come from to keep going and to endure in all that will come? Actually, I have to say, that is the most important step we can take as Christians. To recognize that the Christian life is hard and to acknowledge that we need help. We don't often want to do that, do we? We want to do it on our own. We want to do it our way. We want to do it on our terms. And we want to do it in our strength. The psalmist's first instinct, our first instinct as we look ahead to whatever will come must be to know that we need help and to know that we don't have it all sewn up and sealed for ourselves. And the psalmist wants to point us categorically unequivocally, to the source of help. On New Year's Day, we went for a little bit of a a walk. As a church family, if you got the... uh, uh, It was a bit of a last-minute, impromptu thing. I sent an email out, and a number of us gathered on New Year's Day at the Licky Hills for a walk. And it was a lovely walk, although a few people um, did want to sue me under the Trade Descriptions Act because I described it as a ramble, when I think some people would have categorized it as a trek. And I was one of those people, having uh, asked John Perham to lead the way. He led us on a wonderful walk. But I have to say, halfway through this walk, we'd gone all the way down this hill, all the way up another hill, and it suddenly dawned on me that we were going to have to do the whole thing again in reverse, and so there I was. I was lifting my eyes to the hill ahead. And I have to say, my heart did think, help, <laughs> help. How are we going to do this? Some of us were carrying any number of children on our shoulders, etc. at that point as well. Not me personally, but I think a few of us were thinking, where will my help come from? Now, as I rounded the bend, who was stood there but Keith Fisher giving out licorice all sorts? <laughs> But he didn't offer me one, interestingly. No. I obviously looked like I was just not in need of sustenance at that point. Yes, exactly. He was saving those for for himself, probably. But the point is that, look, on that journey, on the journey of life, we need to know where to turn. We need to know where to look for help. And the psalmist is clear, isn't he? Look at verse 2. My help comes... From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, this psalm is a psalm to remind us exactly where help comes from, the true help that we need. Because we're so tempted to look in any number of other directions for help. We're tempted to look in, aren't we? As I've just said, we tend to look in ourselves and we think, well, I must have it all sorted in myself. I need to have all of the internal resources to live and endure as a Christian. We might be tempted to say things like, well, God helps those who help themselves. But the psalmist says, no. No. Don't look in. Don't look in. We may also be tempted to look out at things around us. Maybe there's a technique or a resource or a person who will stop it being hard. Maybe actually the trick is to choose a different route. Maybe I don't need to go up this mountain. Maybe I can just change my path, change my direction and go elsewhere. Maybe you have had those thoughts, it wouldn't be as hard if I just had that secret, or I just went to that church, or I had that kind of experience, or I had that kind of person in my life, or I went in that direction. And the psalmist says, no. That's no kind of help for the journey that God has called us to. We're not to look in, we're not to look out, we're to look up to the Lord, the maker of the heavens and earth. Help comes from the Lord. And Psalm 121 is really t- designed to help us on this journey but to help us really to journey much more closely in our relationship with him. And he really asks us, he calls us this morning to live life looking up. Live life looking up. So if you're looking at the mountain, you're not looking high enough. Lift your eyes above the hills to the maker of the hills, the maker of the mountains, the maker of the heaven and earth. And there are really three reasons why that is why we should turn to God for our help. And he gives us three reasons in this psalm. And the first is simply this. Sorry, I don't have any PowerPoint. Today, we had a PowerPoint malfunction earlier this morning. But the first reason is simply this. God does not switch off. God does not switch off. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. It's easy, isn't it, for us to lose our footing as Christians. God says he will not let one of his children fall. He who watches over you will not slumber. Notice, he doesn't say he who watches you. This is not God passively looking on from the distance. God is not like a CCTV camera in the sky. This is not the God who watches, it's the God who Watches over us. Now that's much more active in the same way that a shepherd watches over his sheep. To care for them and keep them safe. The same way that a parent watches over their child. That is the way that God watches over us. Five times in this verse we're told God watches over us. He's actively involved in every element, every single step that we take. And so we're told, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't take 40 winks. God's never caught off guard. God is never napping or nodding off. He doesn't lose focus or or switch off. Friends, this is the family promise. For those who belong to God, he will be an ever-present help for every step we take on our journey through this life. However hard it is, and whatever the particular step that we're taking, Maybe. Now, my children have taken to saying after they've said something to me, at the end of something that they've said to me, to then saying, Did you hear that, Dad? If anyone is a, a Dad here, this, I hope I'm not the only one who has this experience, but they will be talking to me and I will look like I'm listening. But my brain will just be away with 101 other things. And so they now like to say at the end of it, did that, did that go in, Dad? Did that go in? Are you listening, Dad? Are you listening? I just have this terrible tendency. Maybe they'll be interrupting me mid-flow in something I'm trying to do or think about. And I look like I'm listening. But I'm not. I'm switched off. Well, Friends, God is not like that. God is not like that. He is attentive to every single step that we take, and he does not switch off. Secondly, God does not pick and choose. Look at verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now, when it talks about the Lord being our shade, it's talking about protection, particularly the protection of the heat and the strength of heat of the the kind of noonday sun in the same way that you might seek shelter under a big tree or under a big kind of umbrella. it's saying God is that kind of protection. He will protect you from the force of the heat of the sun. Now, that's not a particular problem, is it, in the U.K.? It's not a particular problem in January either. But imagine being in Australia right now. With the extraordinary heat wave that they're having there and have done for some time. That is a dangerous heat to travel in. And that's the point here that the psalmist as he's looking to the mountain as he's thinking of the journey ahead, he's being reminded that God is his protection. God is his protection in the heat of the noonday sun. But you notice as well, it says, By day, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Well, I don't think I've ever been kind of suffered from the, 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 the danger of moon rays. I don't think any of us kind of go moonbathing, do we? But actually... I mean, it was not until until quite recently, the whole idea of lunacy was that actually there was a danger associated with the moon. But actually, more, more obviously, there are dangers that come by night, especially if you're traveling. The dangers of bandits. The dangers of extreme cold. the Dangers of loneliness, maybe. But the point is this whether it's day or night, whatever the season of life that we're in, whatever our fear, whatever the danger, God is our protection. He doesn't pick and choose, He doesn't rank dangers in order of priority. He doesn't look at your need and say, well, that's not significant enough for me to be involved. Or that's beyond me because it's too extreme. There is no danger that's too big for him. Well, he might be able to help you, but he couldn't possibly help me. We might be tempted to think. he Couldn't possibly help me with what I'm going through right now. It's beyond God's help. There's no danger too small. Why would he care about me, we might say, when others go through so much more than I do? It's a silly thing, really. Why am I even worried about it? Why am I even fearful of this? I shouldn't even really bother God with it. And God says, no. This is the family promise. For those who belong to God, He will be an ever-present help for every step we take of our journey through this life. Whoever we are, whoever we are, he doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't rank in order of priority or seriousness. Maybe you're the kind of person who was last to be picked at football. That was basically me. And you carry that through life. You think, well, you know, I'm nothing special. God couldn't really care about me. Well, he does. He doesn't pick and choose. Whatever the danger, whatever the season, whoever we are, he watches over us. So God doesn't switch off. He doesn't pick and choose. Thirdly, God doesn't run out. God doesn't run out. Look at verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Now at that point, I wonder what you're thinking. The psalmist says, the Lord will keep you from all harm. You're like me. As I first read this, I just thought, really? Really? All harm? Is that true? Why do we suffer? Think of my friend and the difficulty they're going through. Really, Lord? All harm? As I've thought about this psalm more and more, I think there's something really important here. You see, harm is not the same as hardship, harm is about falling outside of God's care, harm is about being cut off from God. And from his people. Harm is about. Facing. His judgment. That's what real. Harm is. It's one thing isn't it. To feel the ache. And the strain. And the trial. Of the journey. It is another thing to slip off the mountain pass into the chasm of death. Actually, the psalmist is clear. We will suffer, but we will never be unsafe. We will suffer, but we will never be unsafe in the hands of God. See, the gospel teaches us that Jesus came to keep us from all harm. That as he steps into the world and takes on himself human flesh and lives my life for me and dies my death for me, takes on himself the punishment I deserve. he He allows, effectively, the harm that should be mine to fall on him. So that in him, I am kept from all true harm. It kind of leaves you asking the question, what is the worst that can happen? Actually, the very worst that can happen is that I die and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus all indicate that this is not the end. This is not the destination. This is the journey. That God is helping us through and is ever present in for every step we take as he leads us safely home. There's a big difference, isn't there, between what we're willing to endure on the journey and what we're willing to endure at rest, at peace, at home. We made that inevitable journey that we make every year north to Yorkshire to Scarborough over Christmas. And the same thing happens every time we get in the car for that journey. Inevitably before too long, the question will be asked. Can you imagine what the question is? Are we nearly there yet? Do you want to know how early that question was asked this time round? I'm not going to tell you, but it was... If I was to say we hadn't even got on the Bristol Road. (laughs) Now, why is that question asked? Especially that early. I did not respond to it with the greatest grace, I have to admit. Why? Because travel is hard, especially if you're sat in the back and you have a sibling, possibly both siblings, with their elbows in your face. Now, at that point, my instinct is to say, remember where we're heading. Remember where we're going. It's all right. In four, five, six, maybe, hours time. No, it's not that far. We will be there. We will arrive. And you don't mind the hardship. you don't mind the difficulty, the uncomfortableness of it, because there's hope. Grandma's house awaits, the land that flows with milk and honey. But imagine for a moment, the journey is all that there is. Well, you would mind the hardship, wouldn't you? You would obsess. You would obsess about everything being comfortable, everything being perfect right now. And I wonder how tempted we are to live our lives in just that way. We live like this is home, like this is the end of the journey. when it's not. You see, some of us do get lucky in this life. Some of us really don't. To be honest, even when we do, our luck runs out. And in the end... Our lives run out. And it's tempting, isn't it, to think this life is all that there is. But this is the journey. This is the journey. This is not the destination. And where we're heading all depends, doesn't it, on our relationship with the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And either this is the best that we will get as we face an eternity cut off from God, or this is the worst it will get. This is the hardest it will be as we make our way towards his eternal rest. But the promise of Psalm 121 is that the Lord, verse 8, will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. God does not run out. And again, this is the family promise. For those who belong to God, He will be an ever present help for every step we take on our journey through this life to our true eternal. I think the New Testament equivalent of Psalm 121 is really the promise of Jesus who says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I wonder whether some of us need to particularly hear that this morning. I am with you always. That's what Jesus says to us. Today, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We started by looking at Hebrews 12. I wonder if you could just turn in your Bible as we finish to page 1,210, and it's Hebrews 12 there, 1,210. 10 is the page number if you've got a church Bible, but it's Hebrews chapter 12. Let me just read verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What does this author say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Live life looking up. Live life. Looking up. Maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. I wonder if you're willing to consider that this may be the journey and not the destination. That there's more to life than simply making it as comfortable as we like in the moment. Simply choosing our own path and going our own way. The psalmist says, look up to the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning. The psalmist says, look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. I think we're a little bit tempted with that kind of a message to, to I don't know about you, but I have this little phrase ringing in the back of my head. He was so heavenly-minded; he was no earthly use. You ever heard that expression? So heavenly-minded, no earthly use. The kind of idea, I guess, is that this is someone who's who's looking up so much, whose eyes are so firmly fixed on heaven—they're useless somehow in the present age. I just want to suggest that that is nonsense. I don't quite know where it came from, but it's just not true. That is not our problem. Our problem is not that we are so heavenly minded. We are no earthly use. Our problem is that we do not consider heaven at all. Actually, the more our eyes are fixed on Jesus the more useful we will be for him and his glory and his kingdom on earth. Look up. He doesn't switch off. He doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't run out. And I think that's what we need to hear as Crossway Church this morning as well. Look up. Crossway Church belongs to Jesus. It's his church. And the Lord watches over us. He watches over our coming and our going now and for eternity. We don't know, do we? That's the reality. We don't know what 2020 holds. None of us have 2020 vision but we can still look up let's pray let us run with perseverance the mark raced the the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith Father, we want to thank you so much for sending the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the pioneer, that he has gone ahead, that he is now seated in glory, having accomplished everything in order for man to be brought into the presence of God for eternity. Father, we just want to thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the author of it all. And we want to thank you too that he is the perfecter of it that he not only has gone ahead, but he walks each step with us today. We call him our brother. He knows far, far better even than we do all that we need to live for him today. Father, I pray that you would show each of us what it means to turn away from looking inward or from looking around us to turn our eyes away from any form of idolatry and to lift our eyes, lift our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And in his name we pray. Amen.